Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Joey, for the music tonight. Brother Eddie, I know that I surprised you this afternoon by asking you to do this, and you did a great job. And I want to tell you, Pastor's out of town. He's preaching an anniversary service in Livingston, and he, he, y'all know he would be here if it was any other circumstance, but he was called upon, and, and uh, he's excited to be there doing that. So tonight, if you'll bear with me, <clears throat> God uh, has a sense of humor, whether you realize this or not. And um, I think he, uh, you know, I've got a lot of questions for the Lord when I get to heaven um, because I don't understand some things sometimes. You prepare so hard for a sermon and you're already nervous with something that's prepared. And me without uh, my notes is almost uh, being up here in my BVDs. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to be honest with you tonight, and I'm going to be real with you tonight, and I'm going to try to give you what God is talking to me. I went into, I went into the living room, and, and I told Cindy today, I said, God's changing it on me. <laughs> What's the deal here, Pickle? So uh, I said, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with it. So if I fall, just laugh at me and help me up, and we'll start again, okay? So... Tonight, I want, to, I want to talk to you a little bit about something that I have personally dealt with over and over again in my life, and God has helped me through it. But I want to begin by telling you of a story. There was a young man that, in 1999, he was the first, the number one overall pick in the major league draft, and he was picked by the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, receiving almost $4 million in a signing bonus. He was uh, an, an, a very unlikely candidate for a future drug addiction. Unfortunately, adversity struck his life and his young career in the form of numerous injuries. In 2001, he was involved in a car accident that, that um, placed him on injur- injured reserve. And in the first three seasons of his career, he missed a total of 200 and 36 games because of injuries. During this time, he began to become self-medicated with prescription drugs to ease the pain of his injuries. And it was a coping mechanism for, for all the things that he was having to deal with. And as he continued on in this, the prescription drugs moved into alcohol and some illegal drugs and as a result he tested positive positive for substance abuse and was suspended and put into a treatment program however this did not stop his addictive behavior in 2004 major league baseball suspended him indefinitely for violating the joint drug treatment and prevention program at this point he had become a full-blown addict and the substance abuse that initially began while he was trying to cope with the injuries that stalled his performing career had become the agent of his career destruction. His depression worsened. Finally, in 2005, he hit rock bottom. And it was at this time, one morning, waking up on his grandmother's doorstep after what had what would be his final crack cocaine binge, he had experienced a gigantic setback, and his future was obviously very dim. 
After waking up in his grandmother's doorstep, he came to a crossroad and he really just had to make a decision. This was where the healing began in this young man's life. He chose a road that led to recovery and his comeback in baseball. In an ESPN article about his story, he describes firsthand his comeback as this. It's a God thing. It's the only possible explanation was his words. In that same article, he describes two dreams that, that encompass his journey back from his addiction. In the first dream, he states, I was fighting the devil, an awful looking thing. I had a stick or, or he said, I can't really remember. I had a stick or a bat or something. And, and every time I hit the devil, he would fall, but he would get back up. And over and over and over, I hit him until I was exhausted and, and I, couldn't, I, I couldn't even lift the bat anymore. But the problem was is that he was still standing. I woke up in a sweat as if I had been truly fighting and the terror that gripped me, uh, the, the, the terror that began to grip him, uh, he made the dream feel so real. Even unto this day, he says that he can vividly remember the dream. I'd been alone for so long, alone with my fears and emotion. I worked so hard to kill. And he said, I'm not embarrassed to admit that after I woke up that night, I walked down the hall to my grandmother's room. And I crawled under the covers with her, the number one draft pick, signing for a $4 million bonus, went to his grandmother's room. The devil stayed out of my dreams for seven months, he said after that. I stayed clean and I worked hard and I tried to put my marriage and my life back together. I got word in June 2006 that I had been reinstated to the Major League Baseball. And a few weeks afterward, the devil reappeared into my dreams my second dream was very similar to the first it was the same dream with an important difference i would hit him and he would bounce back up and the ugliest devil the most hideous creature that you could possibly imagine would show up and this devil seemed so unbeatable these are his words i couldn't knock him out i couldn't i couldn't hurt him it seemed like i was just losing but just when I felt like giving up, I, I, I felt a presence by my side. I turned my head and I saw Jesus battling with me. And I saw Jesus battling with me in this fight. We kept fighting and I was filled with strength. The devil didn't stand a chance in, at that moment. I finally understood the scripture. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You can doubt me, he said, if you want to, but I swear to you I dreamed it, quote, unquote. When I woke up, I felt at peace. I wasn't scared. To me, the lesson was obvious. Alone, I stood no chance against my addiction. Alone, I, knew I stood no chance in making a comeback to fulfill my greatest dreams. But with Jesus, I couldn't lose. His reinstatement was just the beginning of his remarkable comeback. In 2008, he was selected to the first, his first, very first all-star team where he also participated in a home run derby. 
setting an opening round record of 28 home runs and finishing with the second most home runs ever on all-time derby history with 35. His home run derby explosion introduced Josh Hamilton to the public in a big way, furthering his comeback. He has been selected to the all-star team for three straight years, and in 2010, he won several single-season single honors, American League, batting title, all of them, MVP, everything he wanted. The man almost lost his life and career to an addiction, has now become one of baseball's greatest stars. In addition to his personal success, he led the Texas Rangers, who had never won an American League pennant, to the past two American League pennants and a World Series appearance in 2011. The comeback is still continuing with Josh and only time will, full, will, will give you the full success to be known of this young man. A comeback story. What is a comeback story? We hear so many times about comeback stories and how Hollywood and sports and different people have comeback stories, but yet it seems like every time we need a comeback story in our life, it's just so hard. It's just so impossible. The, when I began to pray last night, I felt that God had directed me, was directing me in a different direction. I had a week to prepare for this tonight. And, 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 and I said, God, you know, I, I want to be a willing servant, but Lord, I just want my, I want the word to go forth. I want your word to speak to somebody tonight. And it was funny because I began to prepare and I thought <laughs> to myself, man, I am going to bust out something awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a because of the time moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the house down. I, I, God, you've given me a great depth in the word. Lord, this is awesome. I'm so excited. And God said, you know, we're going to scratch that. And you'll never believe. I'm, I'm going to be open with you tonight. There's times when I sit out here and I and I say, you know, God, I don't, I don't know if I need, I, if I can handle another get up. You can make it sermon. And I and I and I and I hear them so much. And I've even questioned Pastor. And I said, Pastor, you know, so many of your sermons are just, you can make it and and you can get up. And and he says, Jay. He said, son, you'll get it. You'll get it one day. <laughs> and so to, to ne last night when I was praying and, 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 and I began to feel for the presence of the Lord, God began to bring in remembrance my life and some of the things that have happened with me and how he had picked me up so many times. So tonight I simply want to talk to somebody and I want to tell you, take my hand, you can get up. And that's God talking to you. Take my hand, you can make it, you can get up. Sin, and, and I'm probably jumping the gun on my notes here, but that's okay. But sin is simply qualified as missing the mark. So there's a lot of us right now that are saying, well, Jay, you know, I, I appreciate your sensitivity and I appreciate what you're trying to do. But, uh, son, I, I live a pretty good life. I'm, I'm, I'm righteous, and, and I worship the Lord. But let me ask you a question. If sin is missing the mark, 
and we have just decided to live a very passive life and not do what God has really called us to do, have we missed the mark? Have we really, you know, is, is our righteousness and not going out and drinking and not going out and doing drugs, yes, I understand there's a lot of us there that are, that are like that and we can make that claim, but you know what? What has God told you to do that you haven't done yet? What has God directed you to do at some point in your life and you haven't quite hit that mark yet? And I begin to ponder and I begin to think of things in my life and I begin to say, God, not only do I want to tell somebody that they can get up this morning, but I want to tell somebody that thinks they have it all together, that thinks they're all right and they're they're perfect standing with you, that they can get up too, that you can get up. You know what? You might have a great paying job. You might be secure in a home, in a car. But if you haven't done what God has called you to do, you've missed the mark. And you can have it all together and everybody think that your perfect life is awesome. And it, and it is, and it is, but you just quite haven't hit the mark. That's the person I'm trying to tell you to get up tonight. So before you jump the gun and before you think, well, he's not really preaching to me because I don't live in that type of sin, let me remind you what sin is. It's missing the mark. I can remember... My high school career, my high school years, my parents had gotten a divorce and there was a lot of turmoil in my family. And I, and I played all of my football career here at Dobie High School. But the last half of my senior year, I went to Atlanta, Georgia, and I graduated from Atlanta, Georgia, Griffin, Georgia, actually. And... And I really didn't know anybody, and I was really confused, and little did I know that God was working a great miracle in my life. I had numerous letters from colleges all over the U.S. to come and visit and to, 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 to follow in their recruitment process for, for football. And, and I can remember being so excited, getting letters from from all over, and, and, and I can remember being so astounded by all these colleges. And, and what do you mean? You mean I got a letter from Notre Dame? I, this is awesome. Oh, wow, thank you, Jesus. This is, this is unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, I remember one Sunday night as I was sitting at the front of a small church, and I was praying, and I said, God... Thank you for the opportunities, Lord. But if it's not your will, I don't want it. And I remember, I remember falling to my knees there on the front pew and, and saying, God, restore in me a clean heart, Lord. And I felt such a repentance on myself and I began to pray and I didn't even know, I didn't even know what I was saying. And that was when God began to call me to the ministry. And God began to talk to me in a way that He had never talked to me before. It wasn't an audible voice. It just consumed my thoughts. It consumed my mind. It consumed my being. And as I began to pray that night, God changed something in me. Everything that I had trained so hard for, everything that I had worked so hard for, 
all those desires begin to leave. And I said, okay, God, I understand, but I don't understand. What do you want me to do? And so God began to work in my life, and I began to tell my coaches and my recruiters and different things that I had no interest in going and, and visiting schools. And what do you mean, young man? Do you not understand the, 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 the severity of what you're telling me? I was like, I don't really care. And so that next week I made phone calls after phone calls and, and I began to come and, and, and I packed my car, my little CRX. I don't even know how I fit in that thing, but I did. And all three bags that I owned. And, and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I got to go back to Texas. God is calling me back to Texas. And I, I'll never forget that I, I, I came in and I, I told nobody I was coming. I told nobody. I told my mom when I was leaving. And I drove straight to the church. I drove straight to Life Tabernacle. And as I walked through the door, I saw the secretary and I said, is, is Pastor in? And, and she said, yes. And Pastor heard my voice and he said, Jay? I said, yes, sir. He said, come here, son. And so I went into his office and I just felt like falling in his lap. I just felt so heavy. So, there was so much confusion going on, so many thoughts in my mind. And I, and I remember walking around that corner and and he said, he said, I'm glad you obeyed God. And I said, what do you mean, Pastor? He said, God told me you were coming last night. And he proceeded to show me a check on the edge of his desk that had my name on it. And it was a tuition, the first complete year of tuition to Texas Bible College. And he said, I want you to go take this check. He said, school has been in session for two weeks and he said, just tell him Papa K sent you. And so I remember grabbing the check and, and so confused and going and, 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 and just, I was excited, but I was scared. And I remember going to the school and Brother Enzi and, and all of them and, and telling them Papa K sent me and, and um, getting enrolled and everything. And then it was amazing because I thought, you know what, this is so awesome. I've, I've, I've finally obeyed the will of God for the first time in my life. I've obeyed the will of God. But little did I know that my troubles were just beginning. Little did I know that the attacks were just starting on my life. And so I proceeded to go to college and, and, and go to school. And uh, truth be known... I never was a really good student in high school, not because I wasn't smart, but when you play football in Texas, um, you seem to pass a lot of things that you really don't deserve to pass. Um, but I, I remember trying so hard and, and, and begin to creep into my mind and, and, and I was living in this small dorm and man, I was such a jock. I mean, these guys were, they were so spiritual. You know, these were preacher kids and preacher daughters. And, man, I just felt like a moron walking around there. I didn't know scripture. I didn't even, they'd say, turn to Psalms. Man, give me 10 minutes and I'll find it. And, you know, I, first the Bible. Okay, Psalms, Psalms, Psalms. <laughs> okay, I'll go. And so I began to battle these things. And, 
and I felt so undeserving, but I knew that I was in the will of God. And so I'll never forget that I was sitting in the class, in Brother Gurley's class, and I had questioned that night. I said, God, I, I, something's not right. I, this, ain't, this ain't for me. And so I began to, to go into uh, a questioning stage. And so I remember going into the class and I said, you know what? This is silly. You know, I, this is this is so silly, and 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 I, I'm just I don't even know what I'm doing here. And Brother Gurley says, "Okay, we're gonna have a pop quiz." I said, "Great, whatever, I don't care." You know, <laughs> uh, so he says, "We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a a test, and I want everybody to name the books of the Bible, and I want you to spell them out on a piece of paper." And uh, I don't know if anybody's ever tried to spell Habakkuk and uh, Zephaniah and all those good things. But it was funny because when he said that, something clicked in me, and I said, okay, God, okay, God, I'm going to test you. I'm going to test you. However many of these I get right, that's how sure I am going to be that you you really call me to be here and do this. Because I'm telling you guys, I felt out of place. They had a foot washing service, and I spent half of it laughing. Okay, I'm not going to lie. It was it was I was just not into that mode. And so I I, I just didn't know. And, and, and so we begin to take the test and I started Genesis. Exodus and I began and long story short, at the end of the class, he had them all graded because that's Brother Gurley. And um, I was the only person to get all of them right and spelled correctly. So I said, God, and if any, some of y'all are clapping because y'all know my spelling abilities, so you know the hand of God was in this. Thank God my wife's not in here because she definitely knows my spelling abilities. But anyways, God began to, to, to take control of my life, and I began to submit myself to him. But the battles began, the warring began, the prayer. I, I began to understand the severity and, and the 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 anointing that was involved in the foot washing services and and I began to take part in the things that I never thought I would be a part of and and and, and so I began to to be a part of this and but something started clicking in me again and I said you know what I said I've missed it I, I was mad at myself I was mad I had I had made a huge mistake and I said you know what who am I to be here who am I to be here in TBC and to be, you're acting like I know what's going on. And, and I had just really made a horrible mistake and I didn't know how to handle it. And I said, well, you know what? I said, I remember U of H, man. I don't even, I, I, Coach Helton or something like It was close to Hilton, but it was Helton. And, and I said, man, those guys recruited me. I didn't have time for them. That was U of H. They were a small school. I know I can go over there and I can walk on and I can start trying to play. And I'll never forget we were out playing basketball on the little courts next to the next to the the dorms and 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 we I had been out there playing a, a ton before and, and, and I was just I was just frustrated and I and all the guys in the dorm were saying Jay you know what are you doing man let's pray let's pray I don't want to pray I don't want to pray I know I know what I'm going to do I know what I have to do and I packed my car with all my belongings with all my belongings my little car was packed to the rim and and, and and they said, well, you know, I was about to leave. 
and they said, Jay, come play a game with us. And I said, okay, I'll play a game. And it was at that moment that I went up to dunk the ball, and I blew out my left knee, tearing my ACL, my MCL, and all the ligaments surrounding the knee. I was so devastated, I'll never forget laying on the asphalt there thinking, it's all gone. It's all gone away. God, what, what is the deal here? What in the world? I knew immediately that, that what had happened was serious. I didn't know at that moment the extent of it, but I knew it was serious. And I passed out, and when I came to, I couldn't even stand on my leg. I spent two weeks in the dorm not even going to a class. I spent two weeks with an ice pack in Advil, sitting in my bed, watching my knee get as big as my head. And I thought, man, you know, I don't know what to do. I just sit there. I didn't know what to do. And I said, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, and I don't deserve this. I'm a sinner, and and I'm so confused. I don't even know what to do. And it was at that moment that God directed me to a scripture, and it was Psalms, it was Psalms 51. And I began to read that scripture. And I had always struggled reading the King James. It just didn't make sense to me, some of the things they were saying. And, and so, uh, but I began to read that scripture. And every scripture I read began to speak into my life and began to speak into my heart. And as David began to pray this prayer, it was at that moment that I said, God... I've got to get up. I've got to get up. I've got to, I've got to push past this. And so I, I, I begin to pray and I put it aside and, and lo, lo and behold, time passed and, and I begin to live a very unrighteous life and I begin to deal with things that I had never dealt with before and and I begin to work a full-time job, and I said, God, I've obviously missed the call of the ministry on my life. I wanted to be that pretty preacher. I wanted to be that pretty guy that got up there and knew the scriptures by heart and could be able to help somebody really get up and make a difference in their life. But for years, I began to live a life that wasn't right before the Lord. And, and I put all scriptures and everything aside. But after that, I come into another time of my life where I almost lost my life. And God reminded me of Psalms 51 again. Just about, you know, every moment in my life, I, I, I was asking God, why are you taking me to the scripture? I, I know that I'm supposed to do this, but I don't, I don't feel like doing it, Lord. I, I, I've, I've told you, God, I'm not worthy. And that's really what it come down to because I felt like I wasn't worthy. And I felt like that, that, that God was was wasting his time on me because I felt like, well, you know, Lord, I'm just going to fail again. I could get right now, but I'm just going to fail again. But God began to work something in my life. And it was those memories that he brought back to me last night. Just about every biblical saint had a fall in the Bible. These included Abraham, Noah, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, David, Peter, just to name a few. One of the most important aspects of the Christian life is not how many times we fall, but it really comes down to how many times we get up again. 
The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And, but yet in verse 24 of Psalms 37, he says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And God began to speak to me last night, and I said, Lord, please help me to deliver this to somebody that needs it, to somebody that's ready to give up on you, to somebody that's at their brink and they can't take it anymore. Lord, help them to hear these words tonight. And so God is talking to somebody. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get on the mark that God has set in your life. And it's time to do the things that God has spoken to you in your life. It's time to quit feeling sorry for yourself. It's time to quit looking for somebody to give you an answer and start turning to God. We hear so many sermons every Sunday and every Wednesday. Pastor's an unbelievable preacher. We hear so many things, it just becomes becomes kind of monotonous to us if we're not careful. But I'm, I'm asking somebody tonight, have you missed the mark in your life? Somebody that really has it all together, have you missed the mark in your life? Have you done what God has really called you to do? Why don't we begin to, why don't we bow our heads real quick? Let's begin to pray right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that your anointing would begin to rush through this place. I pray that your anointing would begin to settle on somebody and that it would begin to, to move in somebody right now, Lord. That your anointing would begin to stir up a flame that's been silent for a long time, God. Tonight, in the name of Jesus. Tonight, Lord, right now. You start to read Psalms 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. You know what David was saying there? He was saying, God, you have the ability to fix it all. You have the ability to blot it all out right now. David accepted the personal responsibility for what he had done. He speaks in Psalms 51. He says, of my transgression, of my sin and my iniquity, my transgression and my sin, he declares that I have sinned. And he begins to talk to the Lord. And he begins to beg the Lord. And he begins to plead to the Lord for the remission of his sins. My sin is ever before me. In verse, verse 3. Sins may be forgiven, but their memory may leave an aching heart for a lifetime. My sin is ever before me, God. God, indeed... I don't know that I'll ever be able to forget about this stuff, Lord. But Jesus said, when I forgive sins, I forget them as well. In Jeremiah 31. 
But mortal men are unable to do this. Verse 4, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Some people can't understand this statement like this because he said, David, how can you say a thing like this? Against you and you only have I sinned, God, because you didn't just sin against God, you sinned against Uriah, you you sinned against Bathsheba. But David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned, because he understood, no matter if it's a sin against your own body, no matter if it's a sin against your church, no matter if it's a sin against society or a fellow human being, All sin is first and foremost a violation of our relationship with God. No man has the proper view of sin until he understands the fact that it's always against God. Sin is always against God first and foremost, no matter who the act was committed against. In verse 5 he said, In sin did my mother conceive me. He was confessing that he understood he understood that he was natural. He was he was a nature's human. He was he understood that he was a flesh. He understood that his parents were a flesh. He wasn't blaming his mother and his father, but he understood the fact that that he was a human being, and that he was naturally prone to sin. Verse six: Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Verse seven: Purify thou me with hyssop. This seems to be a comparison of some sorts to the cleansing of the lepers. Indicated David's deep realization of the dreadful nature of sin in his life. Verse 7, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 8, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He's not talking about a physical breaking of the bones but he was talking about our spiritual illness. His soul, his soul was deeply distressed by a sense of God's displeasure. His soul was aching within him. He might as well have had bones broken, but his soul was waking within him. But then in verse 10, he begins to say, but God create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Here in the Old Testament, it's talking about, he's talking about, God, I need something more than just a forgiveness. I need, I need something more than just another sermon. And he begins to talk to God. And he begins to say, God, I want you to put something in me. I want you to put something in me that's never been there before. You know, I've been praying that God would take me past my understanding. I've been praying that God would take me past, that he would take me past my, my belief system. And when I begin to pray, I've been praying, God, help me with a mind unbelief. Help me, Lord, push past what I've been feeling. God, everything is pressing me down. I just feel so heavy in my heart that somebody in here tonight is dealing with some things that you don't really feel like getting up. You don't really, you don't really feel like continuing on in your fight. But I come to tell you tonight, you can do it. It really is that simple. Words of wisdom. Come on. Come on.
shake it off a little bit. Shake it off a little bit. I remember Blaze when he was five, he had fallen on his bike and hurt himself. And and I said, son, I said, come on, you you get up and let's try to get. No, daddy, I I don't want to ride my bike no more. I said, buddy, you got to. No, daddy, that hurt really bad. I said, son, if you give up now, you'll always give up, Bob. I said, come on, let let daddy help you a little bit. And I remember picking him up and brushing his little skint knees off. And Cindy was like, what are you doing? He's hurt. I said, no, baby, there's something bigger at stake here. I said, he's got to get up on the bike. And so I remember getting him up on the bike and holding the back seat for the longest. It's hard for a guy my size to run bent over like this down the street holding a bike, but I was going to do it because I wanted him to understand you got to get up, son. And I'm here to tell somebody tonight, I, I know, I know this is not, this is not what you may be anticipated for tonight, but I've come to tell you that God is here to help somebody get up. God is here to lift somebody's eyes. God is here to lift somebody's heart. But you've got to first be willing to get up. You've got to first be willing to push past that feeling that I, I'm tired, Lord. My mind is spent. My mind is tired. You've got to get past the feeling that you're going to fall again. You've got to get past the feeling that you're not good enough. You got to get past that and you got to say, Lord, I'm going to get up tonight. I'm going to stand up one more time, God. I need your help. Why don't we stand tonight?